The following is a recording of Reverend Charlie Dupree at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Richmond, Virginia on September 22nd, 2019. Thank you for listening. Upside down. (laughs) Makes a lot of sense once you hear this gospel. (laughs) The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do, that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Then he asked another, and how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, Make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I usually title my sermons so that when I look through my file, I can determine what sermon is what. So this is what I've titled today's sermon. The most confusing parable imaginable. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm usually a big proponent of the lectionary. The lectionary is what we use to order our readings. We don't just get to make up what we read in here on Sunday mornings. It is prescribed for us. It's a way of moving us through Scripture such that in a three-year cycle, we hear most of the Bible. The reason I'm a big proponent of the lectionary is because it puts all of the texts before us. It forces us to look at Scripture that we might rather avoid. 
kind of like the passage that we just heard from Luke. Lord have mercy. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I have to admit that it's really hard, this language of slavery. And it's also hard in our current political context to even think about being rewarded for being shrewd or dishonest. If given the chance, I would give this one a pass. But I have to believe that there must be some good news in this. And I have to believe that Jesus, even if it gets lost in translation, is always about good news. So if you would, roll up your sleeves and let's dig in. We begin with the words of one commentator. She says, to try to understand this parable and the attached sayings in the context of Luke's narrative world, in order to do this, we need, need a mini course on the economics of Roman-occupied Galilee in the first century. We don't have time for that. So, what we have here is a rich man, and the rich man has a manager. The manager is accused of mismanaging or squandering the rich man's wealth. Now, the manager knows that he's going to get fired. So, he begins to think to himself, what can I do to salvage this situation, to make the best of it? So he promises to reduce the loans of his employees. That sounds okay, right? But at the heart of these debt reductions is still kind of a desire to look after himself. The rich man applauds the manager for his shrewd handling of this situation. But still, truth be told, at the end of the story... I'm not sure how to feel. What just happened, we might ask? Well, I think that it always has to do with the larger context, putting these scriptures into the larger story, looking at what comes before it and what comes after it. Now, you remember that before this particular parable are those three parables about things that were lost and then were found about God's grace, God's generosity. There was a story of the sheep that was lost, the story of the coin that was lost and found. You remember, Kelly preached on it last week. Lucky. <laughs> and then there's the third story of that series, which was about the prodigal son right? A boy who squanders his father's wealth and comes home and the father welcomes him with open arms. So this idea of grace is being continued. And the parable that we hear today is still vaguely reminiscent of how mercy is shown and a person is forgiving. But keep in mind the trajectory of this parable. It leads us to that famous, famous line, you cannot serve both wealth and God. 
And then the line that comes immediately after that, verse 14, says this. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. So this wacky, confusing, almost offensive parable serves as a bridge that connects us to what I believe is at the true heart of the matter. What is important to us? What controls our lives? What God do we serve? No matter how he gets there, this is often the question that Jesus is putting before us. Fresh on the heels of this confusing parable is the story of Lazarus, the man on the sidelines at the gate of the city. We'll hear more about him next week. And I have to believe that Jesus is always pointing us to reckon with our connection to wealth and to the people on the sidelines like Lazarus. His ark always asks us to be aware of what is important to us. And this is why the gospel is such an amazing, alive thing, because it's able to reach across time and into our current contexts. Think about it. Many churches and many institutions are beginning to acknowledge just how we have benefited from the toil and the sweat of other human beings. And let's face it, by the world's standards, we, most of us in this room, are quite wealthy. And make no mistake about it, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke's Jesus asks us to square up with our relationship with wealth. As one Episcopal preacher says, money is incredibly important to Jesus because he knows how important money is to us. Consider these quick facts. Nearly half of the 39 parables in the Gospels deal directly with money. And one out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke itself deal directly with money. This parable is pointing to the complex relationship we have with the wealth we have received, with the good gifts and opportunities we have, and how we can give thanks to God for those gifts. Jesus says we can't serve both God and wealth. We cannot celebrate our gifts and talents and comforts and strengths unless we know deep in our bones that we serve the one true God. Sometimes the good news makes us leap for joy, and sometimes it makes us squirm. But the deal with the good news is this. It always involves a longer, larger perspective than we have. It sometimes asks us to look beyond our own backyards, and that's a good thing because it allows us to look into the yards of people like Lazarus. It means we have to confront our own privilege 
It means that we have to take stock of what we have, which means that we have to look honestly at what other people may not have. When I was confronted with this parable, I sent out a preacher, S-O-S, help. There was no solid, comprehensive, consistent conclusion. So this is mine. The grace of God is poured out on all people. And as scripture often references to those who have much, much is expected. We are called to be good stewards of that which God has given us and remember two things. It's all a gift from God and we can't take it with us. As the angel said to the man who entered heaven carrying a suitcase of gold bars, why did you bring bricks? Today we are reminded that we are to live in this world wisely, even shrewdly, but to never tether ourselves to the world. Our Buddhist sisters and brothers might call this craving. And cravings, they say, are what cause suffering. So before us today is this question. To what do we tether ourselves? What do we crave? The past? The future? Wealth? Popularity? Success? I struggle with these same issues every single day. And luckily, mercifully, God has given us communities like this one where it is safe to wrestle and it is safe to struggle with these questions. God has given us a place to come and say thank you and I'm sorry. God, is all, God always does, has created a space in which we can remember that we are loved and called to build a loving world for others. It will involve being shrewd, absolutely, but more than anything else, it will involve love. Be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove, I remember Jesus saying. He knew a little bit about the complexities of life. But I also remember that Jesus, before he died, washed the feet of his friends, an act of humility and service. And this is my guiding star of how to be his student. We are a part of a complex constellation that takes the shape of compassion. Our journeys can be complicated. We can be complicated. And our journeys are not always the most obvious and understandable. But at the end of the day, Jesus calls us to love each other and care for each other in ways the world cannot possibly understand. The good news of the good news is that it is always good news. Even if it's masked in a complicated story, the arc of the Jesus that we follow is a movement toward justice, love, an empty tomb, a new sunrise, and the hope of new and abundant life for all people.
May it be so.